Very good evening, ladies and gentlemen, Palace fans throughout the world. Welcome back to another edition of the Red and Blue Review with me, Ian Noble, hosting again this evening. We're back, of course, from the international break, which has not been at all kind to our football club. Um, so uh, welcome along, as I say. It's really good to see people joining us in the chat. Joining me this evening on the show, we have uh, well, a staple on the show now is uh, Mr. Fergus Tick. Good evening, Fergus. How are you? Evening, Ian. Yeah, very well, thank you. Yeah, looking Good forward stuff. to uh, covering the the game today. Plenty to talk about. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, you are our lead on the game, and yeah. uh, we look forward to everything you have to say on that. And uh, there's no shortage of uh, uh, talking points, of course. And back for the first time this season, we have from the second bedroom on the left, the lovely Lucy Usher. How are you, Lucy? I'm very well, thank you very much, Ian. It's a pleasure to be back. Appreciate uh, appreciate the time. It's great to have you with us, Lucy. It really is. And you're going to be keeping an eye on the chat, chat making sure making that we sure cover off everyone's, everyone's comments. comments. Ah, we ah. have the echo back. We have the echo back, Jim. I'm not sure why. Good evening, Jim, Good evening, Cannon. Jim Cannon. Good evening. You all right? Yeah, we are. Yeah, but we the are. echo is yeah, back. So I'm going to ask so you to drop, to out, drop again. out again. Come back Come like back you did like you in the pre-show. That's the second time you send me off. You're sending me off. Red card for Jim Cannon, everybody. Now, during the pre-show, um, we meet half an hour pre-show just to check that everything's working technically okay. And um, Jim did have uh, an echo, and then he came back in again, and he was fine. Uh, and as, as soon as we go live, uh, we get the echo back. So hopefully, Nigel, our producer guy, is going to be able to fix that somehow and uh, make sure that when he does come back, it's nice and clear. I think, Nige, if the echo is there, we're going to have to drop Jim off because um, we can't hear what anyone else is saying and you guys won't enjoy the show that way. Hopefully, he'll be with us back very, very shortly. Um, first thing, before we get into the game tonight, I um, want to say from everyone on uh, the Red and Blue Review, a speedy uh, recovery, of course, to the one and only Roy Hodgson. Uh, absent from the dugout yesterday at Villa Park, uh, Roy was taken ill on the morning of the game. He travelled with the squad to the Midlands, um, but uh, shortly after breakfast, uh, before the pre-match meal, he was taken ill. Um, but in the post-match uh, presser that Paddy McCarthy did, um, we know that he's making a good recovery. So hopefully he'll be back on that training pitch uh, before we know it uh, with the team as they prepare for the next game during this coming week. So... Um, it was a tough one to take yesterday, wasn't it, guys? It really was, um, without question. Um, I was up at Villa Park yesterday. And I just want to tell you this little story. I'm travelling back, OK? And we had a we had a pretty horrendous journey back in some ways, and, and good in others. I won't, I'll spare you the details of the journey. But it took me a full six hours to get from Villa Park back home to Sussex. And as I get off the train at Hayward Sea Station... This guy that works for British Rail or Southern, whatever they're called these days, he said to me, what happened? What happened? And I thought initially he was a Brighton fan taking the mick. So I said to him, well, um, we lost 3-1, mate. And, um, and he said, what happened? He said, I'm a Villa fan, he said. And I'm a bit embarrassed. So um, I had to explain to him that the penalty was given. And uh, in my opinion, it shouldn't have been given. And he said to me, I feel like I should apologise to you. Can I apologise on behalf of Aston Villa Football Club for stealing a point off you? And I thought, well, do you know what? There are some decent Villa fans out there after all. So I said, apology accepted when I'm away and got home about 11 o'clock. Jim, you're back with us. Can you speak? 
Yes, I can. That's still an echo. No, you're back with us, and that is much better. Don't touch anything, all right? Don't, I'm don't not touching anything. a thing. Well, Nothing. that's fine. My hands are here, look. <laughs> so, good evening, Jim. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Nice to be back. It's nice to have you back, Jim. Uh, record 660 appearances, of course, for Crystal Palace Football Club between 1973 and 1988. Never to be beaten, I'm sure. Jim, it's an honour for us to have you with us this evening and uh, supporting the Red and Blue Review. And we're really looking forward to what you've got to say uh, later on in the show. So, um, what else was I going to do? Oh, yes, before we get into the game, uh, one thing that was announced this week uh, was the squad of players, the Premier League squad. And um, Nigel's got a slide for us here. Here's the squad of players. As you can see there, it says 25 squad players. Now, if you're quick, you can count those names, and there are only 22 of them on that list. Um, the youngsters, of course, aren't listed, so uh, Raksaki isn't listed. Um, but that just proves the point, I think, how paper-thin our squad is. And, of course, we have a number of injuries at the moment. Of those 22, of course, three are goalkeepers and only 19 are outfield players that can be used in the Premier League. So that gives us a little segue into the game itself. We're going to touch, we're going to talk about lots of things this evening. Um, but I want to talk about the game first because, uh, of course, it's fresh in the mind and there's lots to talk about. Um, of what went on at Villa Park yesterday. So let's have a look at the team. Two enforced changes from the previous uh, Premier League fixture. Um, we had, at the back, we had uh, Chris Richards coming in from the for the injured Mark Gahey. Um, you know, we saw Mark go off for England um, in the game against Scotland at half-time, and we were keeping our fingers crossed that it was nothing significant. And uh, he has got a bit of a problem, uh, so he didn't play yesterday. Uh, Chris Richards, of course, played for the USA and um, had a couple of games. Uh, so he's, he's been travelling as well these last week. And the other casualty of the international calendar was uh, Colombia's uh, Jefferson Lerma, who's been a, a brilliant addition to the squad, played really well in the first four games. So we thought we're going to miss him. But back from injury, uh, remember um, Hughes got injured on the Tour of America. He was back and he filled the role as the dual, you know, the twin number six with the Kure in the middle of the park yesterday. So the two enforced changes, and and I have to say, I actually called that on Friday, so I was quite pleased with myself in that respect. I picked the same team as, as Roy picked. So, Fergus, without further ado, let's get into the game. Let's talk about what happened yesterday. You watched um, the full 100-plus minutes of uh, the action at Villa Park yesterday. Um, well, first of all, team selection, you, you, you okay with that? What did you think? I, I, yeah, I, I, I kind of agree with you. I, I probably called the same. Um, I think Richards had to come in. He played two international games. Uh, yeah, he was obviously match fit. Um, I don't think Holden's played much football, so that was that was a natural fit. And Hughes, you know, he's a great replacement for Lerma. I thought he had a great game yesterday. Um, Hughesy, yeah. um, fantastic game. He works well with Decore as well, um, so it's kind of like a natural fit. Um, yeah, so I was happy with with the um, with the team. You know, we're obviously going to miss Mark Gee, and we're always going to miss um, Jeffrey Lerma. But um, yeah, no, decent, decent, a strong side. I know you were saying okay. our, our squad's weak. So, but... so Ferg, I'm sorry to cut across you. So you said that Hughes had a good game. What did you think of Richards' game yesterday? I thought he had a great game, cracking game, and I thought he was very, very unlucky. I know we're going to get onto the penalty, but. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I thought he was. I thought he was superb. I think the first five ten minutes, 
you know, him and Anderson were, were, were settling down because they've obviously not played together much. But um, no, I thought he was, I thought he was outstanding. Um, felt very sorry for, well, for all of them to be on the losing side, but especially Richards and what went down in the second half. Sure. Okay, so the game itself then. Um, yeah, so let's, let's have a talk about that, and I'll bring Lucy and Jimmy. If you want to come in, guys, just just let me know. Yeah, so just some context around it. I think Villa Villa were unbeaten in eight games at Villa Park, so we're always up against it anyway. And I think our last victory at Villa Park was 2013 when mm. Dwight Gale scored Boxing Day in the last minute. So it was always going to be a challenging game. Um, and, and the way the game started, Villa had, you know, a lot of possession. Um, I think I, I know McCarthy um, was on the, the phone to, to Hodgson, wasn't he? He had his, kept putting his earpiece in. You could see what he was doing. So there was obviously a game plan there. Um, and we were just trying to keep them quiet, maybe for the first 15, 20 minutes. Um, but on 18 minutes, um, Wardy, and he didn't have the best of games yesterday, I've got, I've got to say, um, made a few mistakes and missed an absolute sitter. But um, yeah, he, Anderson's passed the ball out to, and he passed it back, but he passed it straight to Ollie Watkins. Um, so he was cleaned through on goal outside of the foot, tried to bend it around Johnston, but fantastic save by Johnston. Um, and it, uh, yeah, and it, it, it came out to, um, who was it out on the wing? Cash. Cash, Cash yeah. Cash, he had a lot yeah. of space on that right side, Matt he Cash, did. in the first half, yeah. He did, yeah. And uh, he's crossed it. Richards cleared it. And then it was it was headed back down. And then Cash again. And then Richards, I, I don't know how he managed not putting it in his own goal, but he didn't. It was the right side of the post for us, luckily. Um, okay. Okay, let me, let me just let me just come in there, um, Fergus. I want to just ask Jim this question: How difficult would it have been for Chris Richards to come in and play alongside a, a centre back partner in a game of that magnitude yesterday? Do you think, Jim? Um, well, not not difficult. I, the only difference is he's probably not played a lot of Premiership games. But as you've just alluded to, he plays just come back from two international games. So as far as match fitness is concerned, I don't think it was a problem. He trains every day with the lads. So what I've seen of him, certainly more so beginning of last season when he sort of played a few games early on, he looks a very accomplished centre-half. So I can't see any problem him coming in, replacing either Anderson or Gay at any time. And 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 you 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 were a centre half yourself, and you played a few games at left back as well. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, not necessarily for now, guys, but let's maybe come back to this later on. Is there an argument? Because everyone in the chat is saying what a good game Richards had as well, and you know, totally agree with that. Is there an argument that we have to find a way to get Chris Richards into our starting eleven, where Mark Gay he is fit as well to come back alongside Anderson? Rhetorical at the moment, but maybe just park that for now. Um, and we'll come back to that. Um, Lucy, anything in the chat that we need to know about? 
There, there's lots of support for Richards. Uh, Nick Philpott, hello Nick, uh, thought Richards was a uh, man of the match yesterday. George, he fitted in naturally. Also, we've we've had sort of some earlier comments sort of just in just in support and just, I think, a reassuring display by Richards, really. Um, I, I, I was a little bit sort of cold about him coming into the squad. Um, however, really impressed, just really assured. Uh, and it kind of makes me laugh because I kind of think, oh, is this going to be like awful? Is this a really sort of imposition for him? Uh, mm -hmm. And then Sort of Jim says, no, it should be really easy. He's a professional. So it uh, shows you what I know, really. Yeah. And, <laughs> and a few people are saying they're three at the back. So, you know, maybe there's there's a, a thought about that. But anyway, back to you, Phil. Yeah. So, so the next significant um, thing in, in the first half um, was obviously Jordan Ayew um, going down injured. I think he tried to, to carry on, but it looked like a dead leg. So hopefully it's nothing too serious. But um mm. He went off the 25th minute and obviously Mateta came on for him. So, um, yeah, so, you know, Mateta and Edward, well, Edward will obviously get onto that, but um, they seem to be creating a, a, a really decent partnership, the two of them. Yeah. Um, so the 34th minute, Villa thought they went 1-0 up. It was, a, it was a fantastic three ball. And, um, yeah, Diaby... His first touch was superb, curled it in past Johnson. You're thinking the worst, 1-0. And then all of a sudden, VAR comes into play and you're like, fingers crossed. Um, and it, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't much, but he was offside. So, goal doesn't stand. Um, yeah, so I think we, we all probably breathed a, a sigh of relief then. Um, yeah, absolutely. And do you know what? Um, I called it in the ground. I said to people around me, I said, that looked off to me. It looked off. This this ain't this isn't going to stand. And um, of course, they're celebrating madly. I think it's one of the few things that Richards got caught out with yesterday because the ball went. I think go over his head or past it. I can't remember quite. But Richards was supposed to be marking him, and it just caught him out. You know. But I don't think it was anything much to do with Richards being particularly badly positioned. I think it was just a very good ball and and a very good finish. Um, but you're right, he was off. Yeah. Var did his job, didn't it? Var did his job there. Do you think? It did, but it's more straightforward, isn't it? Offside, they can draw lines, and it's not um, yeah. subjective. You know, it's um, it's black and white, really, isn't it? Um, with the offside decisions, um, whereas, and we'll get onto it. The penalties, it's a little bit more, yeah, more, more subjective. Um, yeah, a couple of more things. Um, so uh, Cash, and he seemed to be, he was quite influential in the game. Actually, Cash, he was playing quite well down that right hand side. Um, he fizzed the ball across the box um, and luckily Watkins wasn't on the other end of it. He just missed it. It went right across the face of the goal. Um, and then towards the end of the first half, again, Cash is involved twice. So um, I think it's Danilio. He, he beats Ward down mm. that left-hand side. Not made him, did he? He did, yeah. And then he, he's, he's cut in and he's pulled the ball back. And Matty Cash is probably what, eight, ten yards out, and he just takes mm. a swing at it. And unfortunately for us, he miskicks it, and it goes behind him. Um, then, but then Philly get the ball back, and it goes back out to um, Digne, and he crosses the ball in, and there he is again, Cash coming in from mm. the back post, free header, heads it straight over the bar. So, a um, couple of really good chances for Villa, and actually, you know, half time comes round and you're thinking yeah we're, we're quite fortunate to be going in nil nil 
Um, and we know we're a second half team, so we're obviously hoping for the best. <laughs> yeah. Um, Interesting stat, isn't there, that um, we haven't yet scored a goal in the first half this season. Not in any game. Yeah, that's yeah. five Premier League games in a League Cup tie. We have not scored in the first half. That, that is, is that a worry, Jim, for the lads? Are they, are they going to be? Is that does that play on their mind at all? Uh, no, I don't think so. I mean, they, they've been doing okay. Uh, I'd rather score a winning goal in the last minute than score a one goal in the first minute, because then your probably your attitude is like, hold on to that, don't give it away, especially in the Premiership. So, no, I don't think it. Be nice to get two or three goals in the first half, but I don't think it's something they, they worry about. You know, mm. going in at half time is no different from the kickoff, is it? Still the same score, and you've got 45 minutes to try and score. Yeah, I'll, I'll be yeah. interested. I'll be interested to know if there's anyone out there that can tell us whether there are many other teams that haven't scored a first half goal in the Premier League. Somebody will know. Paul Bristol will know. He'll, he'll find that out and tell us in the chat uh, shortly, I'm sure. Um, good. So we get to half time nil nil, Fergus, and um, breathe a sigh of relief yeah. in some ways. Yes, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, Billow obviously had the better of the first half. Um, and like I said, we were, we were fortunate to go in at nil nil. Um, but then typical Palace kick off second half, and within two minutes, one nil up. One nil up. Um, Mateta out on that right wing, doing what Jordan Ayew would normally be doing. Turns Torres, sprints down the right wing, crosses the ball. Edwards in the middle. I think it helped that Martinez um, slipped. Yeah. Um, when when he was he was moving out towards the ball, he slipped. It kind of put him off off guard a little bit, and Edward slotted the ball into the net. So, fantastic move. Um, one nil up. Edward scores again. You know, he's in a really rich vein of form. And another assist for Mateta. Isn't he just? And there were a lot of Palace fans that didn't see the goal, of course, because they were still finishing their half-time pint of beer um, on the concourse. And it's mobbed down there at Villa Park. It really is a bit of a bum fight. Um, so, a lot of people missed the goal. Um, but, um, yeah... Wild celebrations and limbs in the away end, nevertheless, um, for that one nil on forty-seven minutes. Yeah, yeah, because on the TV you could you could you could just about hear the Palace fans, um, yeah. but after that goal, it was that's all you could hear for the majority of the second half. Yeah, until they um, scored, of course, you know. Yeah, and then oh, the noise when they scored. Yeah, um, yeah, it must have been quite intimidating being in the ground, certainly mm. for the players, the noise they were making. But yeah, we'll come on to that. Um, so a couple of substitutions. So Villa made their substitutions early, 58th minute. They brought um, Bailey and Tielemans on. I mean, mm. not you no know, pretty, two pretty decent players, aren't they, <laughs> to, to, to bring yeah. on the part? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and they both played their um, both played their parts in, in in getting Villa back back into the game and eventually going on to win it. Um, yeah. So. Um, yeah, Diaby. So Diaby offloaded the ball to Watkins. This is 60th minute, and uh, Decore flew in um, into the box. Um, it was a, it was a fantastic tackle, um, and then he, he he smashed into Ward as well. But I think Villa were were looking for a penalty, weren't they? Watkins yeah. again, you know. <laughs> oh, ref, it's a penalty. Um, it's just just crazy. Um, Two of our players, two of our players are laying flat out on the floor, and they're appealing for a penalty. Yeah, yeah. Watkins was just sat there looking at Darren England going, 
got to be a pen in it, ref. It's like, <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, yeah. So again, as uh, Decore, fantastic tackle. It's in the box, so you could, you could deem it risky, but um, yeah. yeah. But just, just, just a, he's a fantastic midfield player. And then sixty-fifth uh, minute. So Johnson, we go route one, long, long kick all the way down. What a ball! Um, yeah, um, as a heads the ball sort of over cash. And he's just about to slide it under Martinez, but he came out of his goal. He did really well, actually. He came out very early, yeah. and he and he smothered the chance. So yeah, that you know that was a shame because you know we, we did have quite a few chances to maybe put the game to bed, and uh, we we came to rue that towards but, the but end of Ferg, the game. But... Uh, just sorry, just to come back and talk about that ball again from Johnson because he meant it. it. It wasn't just a pun up field, was it? You know, no. he had the ball at his feet and he looked up. And he picked Eze out. It was a marvellous, marvellous pass. And, yeah. you know, I think in the modern game, um, you know, you need your goalkeeper to be able to do that. And Johnson's got the lot for me. He really has, you know. And I can't help thinking we spent £20 million on a backup goalkeeper. You know, we, we can come and talk about more. We talked about it last week a little bit. But maybe with Jim and Lucy, we can talk about it a little bit more later on as well. But what a fantastic ball. And uh, as you so quite rightly say, Ferg, it was very nearly uh, a second goal. Yeah. And then we, we we have another chance, the 70th minute. Um, Mateta, so he wins the corner on the right. Uh, and as he takes it, he lifts it in. And um, Anderson's at the back post, unmarked, heads the ball back. And Wardy, he's, he's got he's got a free header about six yards out and um, manages to, to put it about four or five yards wide. And uh, he's just like, oh, my God. Um, yeah, so unfortunate, unfortunate for Wardy. He's in the right place, so you can't, you know. What was he doing there, sure. though? Because I don't understand well, what he's doing there, really. I mean, it could have gone to any other player, couldn't it? They probably would have scored. Yeah, it, he's gone up for the corner, hasn't he? So, um, but if one of our strikers had been there, like a Mateta or an Edward or somebody, then chances are we'd have been 2 0 up. But unfortunately, um, Wardy couldn't get it on target. The only thing I can think of is he thought he was still defending that goal when he was trying to put it wise. Yeah. Jim, you know, is it, is it, I mean, you know, in the modern game, again, it, it shouldn't matter, should it? Who, who it is, you know, if they get a chance like that, they should be in the target, shouldn't they? Yeah. Well, I mean, we always say typical centre half for fullbacks, sort of shot at goal. But I mean, you look at the attacking fullbacks nowadays, uh, they're as good as wingers. So mm-hmm. when you get in that position, you should be hitting the target. I mean, it's it's not good, is it, when you you miss it like that? But it happens, unfortunately. And he will turn around and say, "Well, I'm only a fullback. What do you expect?" Yeah, maybe, maybe. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. go on, Ferg. Let's let's carry on. Let's get to this penalty in a minute. I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Okay. So very quickly, Sevilla had another chance. Twenty uh, seventy second minute. Um, so Bailey break, breaks down the right wing. Um, beats Mitchell and crosses it and Johnson palms it out mm. and uh, Douglas Lewis just heads the ball down and Duran who'd come on for Villa um, smashes left foot shot great save by Johnson mm. uh, you know, down to his left um, so so that was yeah so that was a, a chance for Villa and then four minutes later 76 minute they hit the post um, so yeah Mark uh, Mark Hughes. Uh, Hughes, he throws, throws himself in in front of Bailey's shot and it rebounds to Watkins and he bends an effort um, towards the top right-hand corner, hits the post, hits Johnson on the back of the head and fortunately for us, it goes out for a corner. 
Um, but that led to Johnson being injured and spending five minutes lying on the floor. And, uh, yeah, Villa's manager was getting very, very irate, wasn't he? On the touchline about oh, was time he? I didn't notice that. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, he was he was doing all this, get him off, get him off. You know, he was um, obviously taking too much sake, time. Yeah. I know. And, and Henderson was warming up. I think they were considering yeah. bringing him on. Well, we said us. We said in the ground. We said, "Is he going to go off?" We thought for a moment that he might have to, you know. Um, yeah. Because he he did look in a bit of a bad way. Um, they were he got a bit lucky. Heavy... He got a bit lucky, really, because there were early. I think it was last week that Pickford let one in, very similar today in the post and hit the back of his head and went in the goal. Whereas this yeah. one hit the back of his head and went off for a corner. So um, yeah, again, close from Villa, very close, you know. So yeah. at this stage, we're still winning, but you know, only just yeah. Um, and then 83rd minute, we have another chance where Decore just scoops the ball over the, the Villa defence to Eze. And he tries to, to lift it over it's Martinez. The yeah. yeah, the lob. And Martinez just is just close enough to get his hand to it and then catches it as the ball comes back down as Mateta's coming in for the, the rebound. Um, so you're thinking, right, 83rd minute, we're still 1-0 up, <clears throat> you know. Things that were looking good, nicking that one 0 win away from home, and then the eighty seventh minute. And I can't really, I can't really argue about this because it was a fantastic goal. Yeah. Um, you know, Dini crosses the ball in, and um, is it um, Duran takes Duran, it on his Duran, chest? Duran, Duran, yeah, John Duran. He, um, he, he just controls it with his chest superbly on the volley, swivel and turn, lightning quick. Um, Mitchell was in close proximity, but he couldn't yeah. do anything about it, and it was it was just it was just too hard, too fast for Johnson. He kind yeah, of it was right down his throat. Always, but it was the power, wasn't it? The power, yeah, of it such that he took it past him. He, no goalkeeper saves that. Yeah. No, no, fantastic goal, and you kind of think to yourself, okay, well, it's probably been coming. You know, Villa probably mm. had the better of the chances in the second half. We we yeah. you know we had our own to put the game to bed, but all the time we're not scoring. You know, it's, it's only one goal, so yeah. we're always at risk of. And 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 I hate to say it because it is Palace. We capitulate last five minutes of every game. We just seem to go to sleep. We only play for eighty-five minutes. It's so frustrating. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's tricky, uh, Lucy. In the chat, I saw someone say earlier. I can't remember who that we look really tired at the end of the game. Did you pick up on that one? Yeah, I think I think it was I think it was Dawn Dawn or Jones saying that, that towards the end of the, the the game that sort of our players started to look tired and a bit wearied perhaps, yeah. um, which kind of reminds me a little bit of the PVA days, sort of like early first season last year, um, which is sort of certainly not something that we want to be seeing, especially not off the back of uh, an international break. I don't really understand that. To, to be fair. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, uh, obviously a few of them have played some football and, and, and travelled a lot of miles, but. Um, I, I just wonder, psychologically, though, if you're on the back foot during a game, Jim, you know, and you're under pressure, because we were in the second half. When we when we come to the stats at the end, we'll see that they had two-thirds possession and we had a third. When you're under that much pressure, does it take more out of you, do you think, as a player? Yeah, quite definitely, because <laughs> you're chasing all the time. When you're in command and passing the ball, you don't even think of fitness. But when you're not in command and you're chasing the ball and moving about and, and not actually getting hold of it. Yeah, it takes takes a lot out of you. Plus it's a mental thing and they've had two weeks, sort of a lot of them on international duty, travelling thousands of miles. So all adds up. I mean but probably for 
most of the game they were under the cost probably a little bit. So yeah, they're go- they're probably going to get more tired than than the team that's got all the possession. Yeah, sure, sure. Thanks, Jim. Thanks very much. So we come to this penalty then, Fag, do we? Yeah. So ninety plus three penalty to Villa. So tell him because nine minutes goes up, doesn't it? Nine minutes goes up. That's the other thing. Yeah. Thinking, nine but- minutes, you know. The, the frustrating thing is we made we made substitutions, didn't we? We brought Amado on in the 90th minute. And you're just mm. thinking, why, why don't we just... I, I know the players were tired, but we, we need to keep that continuity. I think bringing substitutions on... If you're going to bring them on, bring them on in the 70th minute, not in the 90th minute, because mm. I think that just that just disrupts the flow of the game, but certainly for Palace. And and it seemed to give, it seemed to give Villa the, the impetus. They were already on top. And the fans were, were so loud with the equaliser. Um, and I know he was probably trying to waste a bit of time um, with the substitutions, but it came back to bite us in the backside. Um, you know, not, I think it was nine minutes. We ended up playing 16. Yeah. Obviously, because we're going to come on to the penalty now. So, mm. yeah. So, um, yeah, Tielemans slid a ball through to Watkins and he's bearing down on goal. And then, and I'm sure everybody in the chat and everybody that's watching seen... The Richards tackle. I I personally think he went in from the side. I think he touched the ball and then he scooped the ball in two two goes. I don't think it was a penalty. Um, but I think the way the world with football now is that any touch in the in the in the penalty area seems to be or seems to be given as a penalty. If that was out on the pitch, that's so not he, a penalty. So here's the thing then. So this is last weekend against Wolves when it was nil nil. Um, and uh, we're in the box, and the Wolves player treads on Eze's foot. It's not given. So that 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 that's not true, is it, Ferg? You know, not any touch in the penalty area is given. Well, we well, don't it, it, it it it's checking club badge, isn't it, Ian? It depends. It, it really depends who you're playing. I, I honestly believe that. And and Villa being, you know, a, a big team. And probably quite intimidating for the referees. Um, they they always tend to side with the the bigger clubs or the ones that. Well, that, that's what that's what it seems anyway, Lucy. Okay, so we've got some fantastic comments. So I'm going to list them out, sort of, Ian, because there's yeah. lots of uh, comments on on this penalty. So sort yeah. of, uh, bear with me, everybody. Okay, Rob Cranfield, Darren the Clown, England should be strung up off a lamppost outside a Norwood Junction pub. Harsh, but you know, I, I think I can tune yeah. into that feeling. Yep. Um, Mark Callahan, uh, fans know their football, and everybody could see that was a perfect tunnel, just a uh, tackle, just ask Jim. Also, we have uh, John Knox, is Kevin Friend out new Mark Clattenburg? Mm, interesting. Um, also, Paul Bristol, Bristow, sorry, uh, Darren England looked disappointed that he had to give that offside, um, sort of that sort of a bit further on, sorry, a bit earlier on. And also, yeah. let me just have a little look. Um, so, Mark Callahan as well. I think Darren England seemed to be saying to VAR, he got the ball, would love to hear the conversation. Yeah. He might well have turned over his decision, but VAR was chirping in his ear. He watched it from all different angles and could see it was a good tackle. So, who influenced him to give the penalty? Uh, Monty, 19. 19- 64 says not a penalty um, and let me just sort of make sure I've got a couple uh, the ref gave a penalty VAR didn't from Monty 1964 yeah it's the inconsistency isn't it yes it is yeah um, Jim you've seen it on TV um, good tackle or, or not a good tackle well first impressions is it was a decent tackle uh, but it's like how how much contact are you allowed in the box 
without giving a penalty away. I mean, not every challenge in the box is going to be a penalty. I mean, but at the moment, it seems to be, you showed that one there with Eze. I mean, the guy stood on his foot and he's gone over and he, he don't give nothing. So, yeah. he, inconsistency is the right word. And VAR, these idiots that sit in these boxes watching, uh, I, none of them, and I know for a fact, none of them have ever played football in their life. Because to be a referee, you don't have time to play football. They don't understand the, 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 the quickness, the way games are these days, and they just they drive you mad. I mean, it, you could say he'd he, he lent against them, but that's not a penalty, is it? No. And then he's got his tackle in. Sorry, I just... Oh, we got the echo back. We? No. Um, I just feel that anywhere else on the pitch, he doesn't give a free kick for that. I think he no, he wouldn't give anything. He wouldn't give anything. Um, yeah. that, that's what's annoying. Um, I think, you know, come back to VAR. You say idiot, idiots of VAR. Right, OK. I think VAR actually did his job yesterday. I think it did his job pretty well because, A, it ruled out the offside goal that would have been given if VAR hadn't uh, been in place. So it ruled... Yeah, but that's out. easy. You can yeah, see no, you can see now. that without... You, you don't need a line to see that he was offside. Well, I, I don't think so because I was in the ground and I called it off. But the linesman didn't flag, interestingly, on our side. So... When the VAR have whispered in uh, Darren England's ear, he's given the penalty in real time because in real time I can understand him thinking he's found Watkins, but in real time, um, you know, you know, you can't see all the detail. So VAR have said, and we've had a look at this, Darren. You need to go and have a look at the screen, mate, because we think he's played the ball first. That's what they've said to him. They must have done because he went to look at the screen. If they'd said, um, Darren, you're you're right, mate. He, he definitely played the, the player. He wouldn't have looked at the screen. He would have just taken the penalty. Yeah? yeah, so they've told him to go and look at the screen. He looks at the screen. Let's get that picture back again, Nigel. Um, this picture I took yesterday in the ground. Now, I don't normally take pictures during games because I'm watching the game. But this was about two or three minutes into him looking at it. And if you look at the bottom of the screen, you can't see Darren England's head. It's behind the screen. And the guy on the in the, in the high-vis. And the linesman is behind the guy in the high-vis. And uh, he's pushing the players back. If you look at it on Match of the Day, or, or, or not Match of the Day, sorry, on Palace Player that I watched back, he's pushing the players back because they're trying to get close to him to see what he's thinking. And the best bit of footage, we can't see exactly what he said, but if you watch back the extended highlights on Palace Player, if you've got access to that, last for about 20 minutes, you can see him talking, pointing to the screen, talking. I think VAR, Rob Jones in VAR, is saying, that's not a penalty for me. And Darren England is saying, oh, well, I've given it. And uh, it's in front of the whole end. And I can't change my mind in front of the whole end in the 93rd minute. So um, it's a penalty. And I, and I genuinely think he bottled it and decided to he give did. it in because it was where it was. If that's, a, you know, if that's against Aston Villa and it's at Sellers Park, they might not have got it. If that's us and it's in front of the whole end, I don't think we get it either. But I think it's because of the, the situation in the game and the intimidation of the, the ground, I think he bottled it. And VAR probably told him not to give it, and he, he overruled them, because he's got the right to do that, the referee on the pitch. Um, someone put in the chat, loose about, uh, I think it was um, Teresa, about the encroachment. I think we've all agreed it wasn't a penalty, but the encroachment. There you go. Um, the encroachment of the Villa player. And um, what does it say in the rules, Nigel? 
it says, there we go, it says that if an attacking player is encroaching into the penalty area, the penalty is retaken. And Wardy was trying to tell the referee this. The referee's looking at him. And he, he doesn't make him take it again. So, you know, the rules are broken there. Um, he, was, he, was, he was looking along the line there, Ian. He's seen it. And the number 19 for Villa actually put his hands up because he knew what he'd done. And Darren England chose to just ignore it and walked away and gave the penalty. Gave the so, goal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, you know, I, I think clearly we're, there's a lot of scrutiny here because of the situation with the first place and the pick kicks given. Then he's looking at the screen for ages and all the rest of it. But that kick should be retaken. I know if it's against you, you feel that's harsh. But nevertheless, they're the rules. It's, it's there for, in black and white for all to see. Um, very, very tough one for all to take. Um, the referee booked Joe Ward for uh, protesting about this, apparently, Yasmin yeah. uh, says. And Yasmin's going to join us very shortly as well on this show uh, this evening. And you'll find out why a little bit later on. So, Fergus, do you want to just wrap this game up for us? Um, yeah. Score, the penalty, yeah. Yeah, so Douglas Lewis put the penalty away. Um, and then um, 90 plus 11 minutes. You know, we're, we're, we're pushing up, trying to get that equaliser. And uh, we just get caught on the counter-attack. Tielemans down the line to DRB. He takes it down to the byline and he cuts it back. And um, Bailey's there at the back post. Um just to steer the ball in. Um, Wardy was in the middle of the goal. He was running back from the left-hand side to, or from the, yeah, from the left-hand side to the right-hand side. I'm not quite sure what he was doing over there, but, you know, he should have been there. Or, or, or someone should have been there, Mitchell. Or, but, yeah, but the guy's just on his own at the back post, taps it in 3-1. I think it's a very, very unjust um, scoreline, considering, yeah. um, but... Um, yeah, so 3-1, another loss. Um, Darren, I think we've only won one game under Darren England in his seven or eight games that he's refereed against us. Um, he's given us a, a shed load of yellow cards as well. 21, I think, in seven games. So, um, and he booked Eze and, and Hughes again. Yes, they booked Eze for simulating, but I didn't see that. I, well, I, 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 I did. I did see it. I didn't see it live, but I saw it back on the Palace player highlights. I watched, and and um, who was it? McGinn, wasn't it? That took him out. Yeah. So McGinn yeah. takes him out and goes down, and as he's on his knees, and he turns around, he just sort of just holds his hand up like that, and the referee deems that as influencing to book the player that he was going to book anyway. And the new rules this season say that if you do that, you get a yellow card as well. And you could see the amusement on his face when he got a yellow card. That was yeah. in the first half, yeah. I think when he was walking off at half-time, he was talking to one of the Villa players and they were asking him what he got booked for. <laughs> <laughs> He's doing this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, you know, real panel says that's the rule. Yes, it is the rule, Paul. I get that. Um, but it was it's not like he went right up to him in his face. He, just, he was still on the floor and he just sort of, Everybody's hand up like that, which is, I suppose, just a natural reaction. I don't know. You won't do it again in a hurry, will you? I suppose. But um, I just, I just, yeah. I just think it's one of those days. You know, he's probably the worst. Or, yeah, I think he's the worst referee in the Premier League. Yeah. Um, so I don't, I don't think know, anyone on here will disagree with you this evening on that one, Fergus. Playing against twelve. So yeah, yeah, they match that. So obviously, Villa clearly had more possession, more shots. Um, 
shots on target, five to our three. Corners, four to two. Villa committed more fouls than mm. Palace. Yeah. Um, which is interesting because mm. we've always been called a physical side, haven't we? Mm. But, um, yeah, so that, so yeah, there we are. Three one. Um, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's upsetting because you're winning the game for, you know, for 40 minutes of the second half and then it all falls apart. <laughs> um, falling apart, did it fall apart? Uh, I, I'm, I'm not sure our performance fell apart. I know we looked tired. We talk, really covered that. Um, but we just got on the wrong end of a really bad refereeing decision, I think. And if that referee then says, and he looks at it and says, actually, no, I made a mistake. It's not a penalty. And he changes his mind. Then I think the game finishes out, you know, we play out of one or I'd like to think that would be the case. Um, Jim, is there any criticism levelled here at Paddy McCarthy and the coaching staff for not seeing the game out at one all even? Game management, let alone one nil up with five to go of normal time. Um, well, yes and no, yes, because we gave away the goals at the death, but it's easy in hindsight to say maybe could have put another two centre halves on and sort of just gone for a point. But uh, no, I mean he he did what he felt was the the right thing, and uh, it's the end of the game. It's, it, when they get that second goal. It's, that's a killer. I mean, the third goal don't make a difference. We're not going to come back from that, even though it's five, six minutes left. Uh, we've been under the caution. It's very unlikely. So, and if you try and get back from that, you end up giving another goal away. So, the second goal killed the game right at the death. So, mm. Yeah, absolutely. The third goal, I agree with you, was totally irrelevant. Uh, Lucy, what have we got in the chat? Okay, so just before... Um... Uh, we we go on to that. I'm just going to do some hellos because uh, we we didn't do that earlier on, and you know we always appreciate everyone coming on and saying hello and joining us on a Sunday. Or, so I'm going to just read these out. So we've got uh, John Michael Ross, evening to you, and Mark Callahan and Lee Clark and Richard Greenwood, Tony P Quinn, real panel, um, Lee Lockwood, Joan Wells, Jane Convery, Paul Bristow, Dawn Palace, hello to you, Paul Holden, Richard Thomas, Paul Grant, Mark Callahan, Nicholas Philpot, where are you, Dawn Palace, Rob Cranfield, Renshaw Barker, and also. Lee Lockwood. If I've missed you, I'm sorry. Put it back in and I'll put you up to the screen. Thank you, Ian. Thanks, Lucy, very much indeed. So I'm going to move on from the game. Um, it was a, a tough one to take, um, but um, we haven't done well, as Fergus said, right at the top of the show uh, in terms of uh, how we get on at Villa Park. So, you know, many of us went to Villa Park yesterday thinking, do you know what, if we get anything from this game, we'll be a bit lucky, especially with the two players that were missing, especially with Roy missing from the dugout. So, you know, we move on to the next one. Um, however, around the club, um, a customary on this show is to talk about the other teams. And um, there's better news from elsewhere in Crystal Palace Football Club this weekend. Um, the under-21s on uh, Friday evening, they beat Middlesbrough 6-2 um, away from home in the Heritage Park Premier League Cup. Who knew there was a Heritage Park Premier League Cup? Uh, we all do now. And next up for them is the EFL Trophy, Wickham Wanderers versus Crystal Palace under-21s. That's Tuesday next on 19th of September. So if you're anywhere near Adams Park in Wickham, get along there on Tuesday night to support those boys. Um, and then the under-18s and the under-18 Premier League on Saturday morning um, at Leicester City's training ground. They drew one all with Leicester. And their next game is um, against Fulham uh, next Saturday morning at Motspur Park. And then the women. 
um, are Palace women. Um, last Sunday, uh, during the international break weekend, um, they were at home to Durham and they won 9-1. There we go. Well done, ladies. Brilliant. 9-1. Poor old Durham women. It's a long way to go home to Durham, isn't it, when you get drubbed 9-1. Um, and then today, uh, we have Nigel with us, who's producing the show tonight. And Nigel, uh, up in the northeast today, you've been along to the Appleton Colliery Welfare Ground. What a great title. I love that. How did they yeah, get on, Nigel? Um, it was a gut-wrenching ones each draw. <laughs> uh, so, as you can see there, we had a good turnout of Palace fans. Brilliant. Look at that. And I say they, they they brought all the, the flags up with them, so we we, we certainly made the uh, the home fans know we were there. Um, there was round just shy of six hundred people in the ground. Okay. And um, I think there was probably maybe about twenty Palace, um, but Elfie Hughes opened the scoring after eight minutes for Palace. Um, she had a header from the middle of the box. And sort of drilled it down at the bottom left corner, and that that was a an assist by Annabelle Blanchard. Um, we dominated the first half, and then second half, Sunderland did come a little bit more back into it. Um, sort of one of our girls did take a bad knock around about the 65th minute, something like that, and she was down for about five minutes, and we were wondering you know, sort of how bad she was. And the gentleman I was actually sitting next to, oh, sorry, standing, um, he was the husband of the Sunderland physiotherapist. So oh, obviously yeah. he knew, he knew sort of what, what happens and things like that. And he says, oh, that is bad. I say after about five minutes, she did finally get up and sort of uh, continue. Well, she, she was that, that fit later on. She took one player clean out. And got um, a yellow card later for rather a ferocious tackle, I think I could put it. But then, just as the referee was you know, a bit like yesterday, putting up nine minutes extra time, um, Brianna Westrup came on, came in from a set piece for Sunderland. And I say again, from a very close range, another header right into the bottom of the corner. Um, we were talking to the girls at the end of the match and, um, you know, sort of they said, you know, even though it was a draw, it felt like a loss to them. Yeah, like often the, the way the if you're in front and you and you concede the lead, that's often the way, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, but, but the interesting point we've got from the last week is the combined score for the under-21s and the women's team in the last eight days is Crystal Palace 16, North East combined teams 4. <laughs> loving, which, which loving, your, quite, loving your spin on that, Nige. Loving your spin on that. You know, which, yeah. which, which, which is quite a good um, sort of scoreline for the Palace, especially the exiles up here. Brilliant. Well, well done for being getting along today, Nigel, and and thanks for that match report. It's not often we have a right. um, you know an eyewitness match report. Um, you know, on the day of the game, live on the show, you, you can't get that on any other Crystal Palace podcast. You really <laughs> cannot. So, Nigel, thanks very much. Thanks for all you're doing in the background as well, mate. Hopefully, you've right. got um, another uh, guest is, waiting. Yasmin is just about to come back in, so I'll Brilliant. say you Thank you, thank you. That's great. So, just uh, before we get Yaz on, uh, Crystal Palace Women's, their next game is the Women's Championship. It's um, it's next Saturday, the same day as the men play. They're at home to Sheffield United. 
two o'clock at the VBS Community Stadium. Uh, most of us, I guess, will be in Sellers Park. I'm um, including this young lady. I say young. How am I kind to you? Welcome, Yasmin Broom. How are you? All right. Thank you. Bit Very tired. Good. Bit tired, yeah, because it took us six hours to get home from uh, Villa Park yesterday, didn't it? Yes. And I travelled to away games together. And uh, we were talking on the way back yesterday from the game, um, travelling back. And Yaz is uh, put herself forward for the first time to do the marathon march on uh, Saturday the 14th of October. And um, I suggested come on the show and talk about it. So here you are. So welcome. Um, first of all, then, Yaz, uh, there's your Just Giving page. And we'll have your Just Giving um, link going across the bottom of the screen very shortly. Um, before I say anything else, um, we've got here that you've got 152% of your target. Just ignore that, everybody. The club gave everyone a £300 target, but Yaz wants to smash that and do it about four or five times. So um, what we'd love you to do tonight, if you've got a few spare pennies, when you've heard from Yaz, is to um, is to donate to her Just Giving. So Yasmin, first of all, let's talk about uh, why you've decided to do this mad thing and walk 26-odd miles in a single day. Well, one of my friends, he does it every year and he's, he always posts loads of pictures and it looks really good. But I I just didn't feel that I'd be able to do it because I'm not really a sporty person or anything like that. Um, but when we went to Leicester, to, uh, not last season, the one before, we were with Chris Grierson and I thought I'd start asking him what you needed to be able to do and stuff. And actually, he was really encouraging about it. I was a bit frightened because I can't walk really fast, so I wouldn't be going off for first place or anything. But he said that lots of people, there's some like he said, Brighty goes off really quickly. But yeah. he said quite a lot of people don't, so I wouldn't be last or anything like that. So I just thought maybe I would. And then when I saw it come up, I just did it straight away without really thinking about what it entailed. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, so um, we can blame Chris Grierson on the way to Leicester. I remember that conversation, actually, because I was with you, I think, but yeah. I wasn't stupid enough to put myself forward, so well done you. Um, so tell me, how's the training going? It's going okay. Um, I've done a couple of walks from where I live in Sutton into central London, um, and that's about 14 miles, all told, when I walk back from the station. Um and I've also been going to the gym three times a week to work on like my leg strength and all of that. So I think it's okay, but I'm not underestimating that. It's going to be a massive challenge for me because um, I have asthma and I have fibromyalgia as well. But I really, I think I can do it with the adrenaline on the day. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. And I'm sure the adrenaline will, will carry you through. So, so, so for those of us that, that don't know and anyone watching the show that doesn't know, um, the money's going to the Palace for Life, Palace for Life Foundation. Um, tell us a little bit about what, what that work does. Can, can you elaborate on that at all? Yeah, so they do a lot of work in the local community, which I think we would all realise um, some of the people really need our help. So it does things like uh, disability sport, which is something really close to my heart, and also to get girls into sport and particularly football it helps people young people to find jobs um, and I know as a parent um, my daughter was very very sporty and it cost an absolute fortune to keep her in all of the clubs and if you don't have that 
it's not really fair on the children that they have to miss out. So I think it's really important to give to this cause if you can. Absolutely. Thank you, Yaz. Um, so our, our friend Real Panel says we can walk up and down the canal route to Old Trafford a few times before the cup game. So there's an offer you can't refuse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That just made me laugh a lot. Um, Jim, have you ever thought of doing this? Have you ever done the marathon march? I think about it every week. <laughs> I've never done it. But you've got, Yasmin, you've got no problem coming last because there's far too many pubs on route. And all the lads will be in and out of them all day long. So I'm sure you'll be fine. Is that right? Is that right? That's good. Um, Lucy, anything in the chat that wants to to encourage Yasmin? Oh, there's lots of support for you, Yasmin. So we've got Paul Holden. Good luck, Yasmin. We've also got um, Paul saying, well done, Yasmin. Legend. Well done, Yasmin from Rob. Well done, Yaz from Dawn. Joan, good luck, Yaz. Stephen Isles, hi, just, you know, good luck. There's so much support there. And, and I hope you come back on the show afterwards. Yeah. I will do. Thank, thanks, everyone, for your support. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Yasmin. And we're going to keep that, that um, fundraising link going. Um, and we're going to post it on our page as well. So if anyone wants to sponsor you, they can just jump on, uh, click a few links. Um, if you're working, uh, tick the um, gift aid box as well. And um, we can raise as much money as we can for the Palace for Life Foundation. So, Yasmin, thank you so much for joining us. And as Lucy said, you must come back on afterwards and, and let us know how you get on. Is that all right? Yeah, that's great. Thank you. Brilliant. Thanks, Yaz. Thanks for joining Bye. us. Brilliant. Good luck. Okay. Good luck to Yasmin. That's, it's really good to have her with us tonight and to um, to encourage her in that. Um, I mean, I don't think I could do it. I don't, I'm pretty sure I couldn't walk that far in a single day. So uh, it's quite something. Good luck to her. So a quick look at the uh, the loan watch before we uh, move on to one or two other things um, before we wrap up this evening. So um, Malachi Botang played 90 plus minutes for Dundee against Celtic. They lost 3-0. Um, uh, Luke Plunge is on loan at Carlisle and he scored on 19 minutes in a one-all draw and then was taken off uh, on the 64th minute. Um, Killian Phillips, your mate, Fergus, he only had a few minutes uh, at the end of... Uh, the game for Wickham as a sub. Um, they beat Blackpool 2-0. Owen um, Goodman in goal, of course, played the full 90-plus minutes for Colchester in a one-all draw with Mansfield. And Kofi Barmer played 75 minutes for Port Vale in a 1-0 win against Northampton Town. So there's a quick roundup of the other players at Crystal Palace Football Club out on loan uh, this season. So we move on to, I hope I haven't forgotten anything vital, Nigel. Uh, we move on to next week and uh, we have Fulham at home um, at Sellers Park. Hopefully we can get back to winning ways. We're going to get predictions in a minute. But before we do that, I just want to touch on something that's going to happen next Saturday during the game. So... Um, on the 9th of June, I've never met this guy before, but on the 9th of June this year, very sadly, a young Palace lad called Josh Bashford, he was only 33, him and his wife, get this, this is terribly sad, they were both murdered in their home in New Haven in Sussex, uh, leaving behind four young children. Now, John was a lifelong Crystal Palace fan and attending many games uh, where, where he could. Um, the Palace have uh, very kindly donated tickets for Josh's family for next weekend for the home match against Fulham. And uh, they're going to start a minute's applause on thirty on the 33rd minute in memory of Josh. Uh, so if you're at the game next Saturday, 
um, please do join in and applaud on 33 minutes. Um, and uh, here, uh, the Red and Blue Review, of course, we send our condolences again to the family and friends. A terrible, terrible tragedy. And, um, you know, we'll remember him um, next Saturday afternoon. So that's just a, a bit of a sombre note um, to uh, talk about next weekend. So let's just go on and talk about the game itself um, next weekend. Um, hopefully uh, we can uh, get back to winning ways. So predictions we're going to look at. Put your predictions in the chat. Um, Jim, I'm going to come to you first of all. Are you working next uh, weekend? Are you in the lounge next weekend? Yes, I am. Okay. Half, half five kickoff, isn't it? The 5.30 no, no, kickoff? No, it's three o'clock next weekend. You're thinking of Nottingham Forest is the one after that. Am I? Oh, I think there's something that's just gone past. <laughs> three yeah. o'clock. Well, that's good. Yeah, it's three o'clock. <laughs> so don't, 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 be late, Jim. don't be late. <laughs> uh, no, I would have been if you hadn't mentioned it. 2 0. 2 0 to the Palace against Fulham. Okay. Yes. Um, Fergus, what about you, my friend? 2 1. 2 1, of course. Fergus says 2 1. Fergus 2 1, Tid. I'm going to call you from now on. Lucy, yeah. what have we got in the chat for next weekend? All right. I think it'll be 2 0 as well. But let me have a look at some of the predictions that have come in. So we have got uh, John Knox uh, watching on YouTube 3 uh, 1. Paul McNamari Obi 4 uh, 2. Wowzers. Uh, Rob Cranfield, 2-1. Richard Thomas, 3-1. Palace, get in. Tim Richards, 3-1. Ian Appleby, 2-1. Uh, uh, Mark says, a win against Fulham. Doesn't want to nail his hat uh, on on a score there. Lee Lockwood, 2-1. Um, us, uh, Teresa, 2-1. I think that's us as well. Yep, there we go, my, my screen froze. Uh, David Hart, 2-1. Paul Holden, 2-1. Joan, 1-all. George Uwagwu, 2-all. Um, Tony, 3-2. And Alisi returns. Oh, is that on the cards? Uh, Tony Quinn, 3-2. David Hart, 2-1. Real panel, 1-0. Yasmin Broom, 2-1. Uh, Tim, uh, oh, Tim to Fulham. Uh, Aaron, 2-0 uh, to Palace. Yeah, Azza. Good to see Azza up at Villa Park yesterday with young Leo again. And, um, yeah, I'll go 2 nil as well. So, before we finish then, I just want to talk about uh, team selection for next weekend then. Let's assume Mark Gahey's bit back. Sorry, Mark Gahey's back and Jefferson Lerma's back. Um, how are we going to accommodate um, Chris Richards in the team? Because we said at the top of the show that we thought that Chris Richards had a great game yesterday, and I wouldn't disagree with that at all. He played really, really well. Um, I can't see Roy wanting to switch to a back three and change the formation. I don't think we've got the wing backs for a start to do that, um, although it's, a, it's an idea going forward, but not necessarily for next weekend. What would you What would you do, um, Ferg, first of all? Do, do, would you try and fit Chris Richards into the team? And if so, for whom? Um if he's not going to play three at the back, I think he'd struggle. I mean, the only position, I think for the USA, he played left centre-back in the first game and then right centre-back in the second one. So potentially you could play him at right back and maybe replace Joel Ward. Um, he didn't have a great game yesterday. Um, so that that's probably the only way I could see Richards getting in if, if Mark Gee's fit. Yeah, and, um, Paul McNamara agrees with you there. Um, Jim, would you want to see Richards in the side? Uh, yeah, probably would do. I mean, I've always, anytime I've seen him, I thought he'd done a really good job. He looks strong. He looks really quick. He looks powerful in the air. Uh, I understand we signed him. He could play right across the, the back four. So why not give him a game at right back? I mean, Bill Ward does brilliant. But he can be a weakness at times. 
Uh, he's obviously getting on a little bit, and he hasn't got the pace that he used to have. Um, I don't think he ever had pace, actually. So, but uh, I don't think Roy will change it. Actually, I think Roy will stick to his usual back four. But I, I, w- I would like to see Richards. I mean, he's not going to let you down, is he? He's no, not going to do it any worse. But to be fair, Joe Ward hasn't really let us down uh, last season at all, even this year. I mean, he didn't have a great game yesterday, and the best pass of the game was his pass back. But uh, that don't mean say he should be left out of the team. So I, I think Roy will keep the normal back four. Yeah, yeah. I, I, think, uh, I think you might be right, but... It would be good to see him start if 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 we can accommodate him. Lucy, what are your thoughts? I just the, 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 we've had a couple of comments sort of earlier, and just sort of whilst Jim's mentioned um, Roy, do we think that Roy will make uh, a reappearance this coming weekend? Is he going to be sort of out of the the, the sick bay? Is there any news on him at all? Any sort of inclination? Well, Paddy McCarthy said in his post match press uh, uh, interview that uh, he was making progress and he was getting better. So I, I think we'll see him next weekend. Yeah, yeah I don't think there's anything. Good sinister or anything too significant at all uh, i hope to hope not anyway good okay all right so that's what we've got coming up we've got fulham next weekend of course next saturday it's a nurse there you go jim 1500 hours just to confirm for you um and then we've got a double header against Manchester <coughs> united we go there in the league cup third round on the tuesday night that is live on sky and um, don't let that put you off going you know get up there and support the boys if you can um, and then we played them again at Old Trafford, three o'clock on Saturday, the 30th of September. Actually, my wife's going to that game. It'd be the first time she's been to a game for about four years. So that'd be interesting. Um, and then this is your 5.30 kickoff, Jim. My home to Nottingham Forest on the 7th of October. Then we go to Newcastle um, after the next international break at three o'clock. And then we play Spurs at home on a Friday night in front of the Sky TV cameras on the 27th of October. So it's your up-and-coming Crystal Palace games. Um, the only other thing that we haven't really had a chance to talk about tonight, um, which I was going to... I've just seen in my notes here, um, that uh, Odson Edward and John philippe Mateta, um, could they start in the same team? That's uh, a, a thing that I'd like us just to finish on if I can. So um, just a very quick word on this. Um, Ferg, first of all, would you want to see them start together? If if I was still out injured, then yeah, I think there's an opportunity there. Yeah, good. Jim? Yeah, I suppose if you and Elise are unavailable, uh, why not? They, they seem to be getting a little partnership going when they do play together and Edward's scoring goals. So, yeah, why not? Indeed. And Lucy, what do we think in the chat? Is there anything there significant yeah, that- about this? Yeah, there seems to be a lot of support. Uh, Dawn um, says, uh, Roy said he wouldn't rule it out. Teresa, I would love to see that uh, them start together. Uh, yeah, a, an awful lot of support, actually, for, for that happening. And just before I hand back to you, Ian, a shout out to the New York Eagles as well. Kim, Dave, Doug and Kevin. Back to you, Ian. Brilliant. Thanks very much. Um, so um, thanks, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us this evening. Um, we'll be back again next Sunday. And I'm pretty sure Nick Philpott will be back in the hot seat for Sunday the 24th of September after we play Fulham at home. So it's thanks very much to the guys for joining me, Lucy <coughs> and Fergus and Yasmin, of course, and Nigel in the background. Uh, very good evening, everyone. Have a great week. Good night, everybody. See ya. Good night. Good night.